Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Happy Hour, Jamie Ivey. Today, we have a great show in store for you. In fact, it's with one of my favorite people in the entire world. And I'm not just saying that. It is a true, true statement. Hosanna Wong is the guest today. And I just need you to know, you're going to need a pen and a paper. You're going to need to listen again. You're going to need to speed it up and slow it down because we have a great conversation today. Hosanna has a book coming out next week called How Not to Save the World, The Truth About Revealing God's Love to the People Right Next to You. And she has lived this story. This is not just her telling us some advice. She has lived this story. In fact, she tells a story about her brother, which I don't know if you'll be able to tell when you're listening, but I was crying. I cried when I read it in her book. I cried when she talked about it. It is a beautiful story of how enduring with the people that we love to tell them about Jesus, no matter how long it takes. Hosanna is an international speaker, author, spoken word artist. She shares captivating stories of a powerful God. She shares those with churches, conferences, prisons, other events, and anyone that will listen, I promise. She's passionate about empowering this generation to know who they are, boldly live out their purpose, and reveal God's love to the people right next to them. I love this girl so much. And our conversation today is encouraging. It is convicting and it will make you want to endure with those that you love to share them about Jesus. I want to let you know a couple of things before we get into this interview and don't fast forward through this because you want to hear these things. Number one, we have an exclusive video over on YouTube. So go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube where I ask Hosanna what it was like for her to be hurt by Christians. We have a conversation later in the show about how detrimental it is to the church and to the bride, to God's people when we tear each other down. And then over on YouTube, you can see her talk about her experience with this actually happening to her a handful of years ago. You're going to want to go check that out. The second thing is this. You guys, I've got some exciting news, real exciting news. So over the past several years, stories about immigrants and refugees showing up along our southern border have dominated the news headlines. We've talked about it here on the happy hour. The national narratives have led many of us to an intersection of concern, curiosity and compassion. In 2019, if you've been listening for a while, you remember I was able to travel to the border with Women of Welcome, an organization that I love, that I support, that I believe in. And I honestly, I will never think the same about them again. God did something big in my heart on that trip. And I have a feeling that some of you want that as well. So here is the exciting news is that my friends at Women of Welcome have started taking trips back to the southern border right here in Texas and and Mexico. And happy hour listeners, you guys get to be the first group trip that they reopen with. So here's the big news. I'm going and you can come too. November 15th through 16th in El Paso, Texas. We're going to gain a closer proximity to this issue and the people that affects. So there's very limited spots available. Applications close August 22nd. I know it's right on the corner, but get in, get your application in, get some courage together, make plans to come with me and other happy hour listeners to the Southern border. All details can be found at jamieivy.com slash border trip, where you can find the link there. You can apply and learn more. Trip includes meeting with migrants, visiting the border, Q&A time with Border Patrol, hearing from local leaders, and more. Two things you need to know, COVID-19 vaccination and a valid passport are required for this trip, and we will go into Mexico. You guys, this trip was so exciting for me. I loved it so much. In fact, we'll also link on the blog some past podcast episodes where we talked about this trip and some blog posts from this trip as well if you want to learn more. All right, that was a lot of information, but here's what you need to know. Sit back because my friend Hosanna is about to take us to church. Here we go. Here we go. 
Hosanna, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much for having me. I am so pumped. Well, this is super exciting because let me just set the stage as to how you and I know each other. So maybe 2019, I don't even know. It feels like we've lived 17 years since we first met. I mean, maybe, I think it was 2019, the end of 2019, I went out for a Better Together filming in Orange County, California. And I was on there with some people I knew. And then there was this Hosanna girl. And I remember we sat in these round tables. If you've ever watched Better Together when we used to do them live, we sat around in these chairs. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is one of the most passionate women I've ever sat under. And I was like, how old is she? Like 22 years old. I mean, I (laughs) fell in love with you that day. And so it is such an honor to have you on the happy hour. It is the Chinese genes. Everyone always (laughs) thinks I'm younger and I am owning it. I love it. Well, I remember when I met you, you were so honest and so authentic and just sharing with us like, Hey guys, here's what I'm going through. Here's my passions. Here's my dreams. I thought you were so bold. And it was, wow. It was recently after I'm sure everyone listening here has read you be you Jamie's incredible book. And it was before you be, you came out and the red envelope story had just happened and you were sharing it. So it was a lot to read the book later and be like, yeah. man, that's when I met Jamie and she's sharing it. And the boldness of like, here's what God actually did. So I'm actually going to tell you, I was like, heck yeah, God, let that rub off on me. So Mm. I love that. I love that we got to meet through that. That's so cool. Well, I'm excited for people to hear your story because, you know, I think that stories are so valuable and important in our world. I mean, we follow a man named Jesus who is God and who came to the world and shared a lot of stories with his people. And you're a great storyteller and you have a great story of how God has redeemed your world and saved you. And you've come from a family who has done mission work from the day you were born. And so- Give us a little background on just, I don't even know where to start with you, Hosanna. So what you do, let me rephrase this, okay? <laughs> don't edit this out, people, because I just want everyone to see how real this is. I have so much I want to ask you that I need three hours with you, okay? <laughs> so first of all, go back and tell us about your family and what you guys did when you were born up until as much as you knew in San yeah. Francisco. Mm-hmm. I grew up on the streets of San Francisco. My daddy was a heroin addict. For 15 years, he fought in a Chinese gang. He was a pimp. He had bullet holes up and down his calves from being shot from the police when he was running from robbing places. And Jesus changed his whole life. And my dad ended up planning an outreach on the streets for those living without homes and battling with addiction. And they actually planted that outreach, my parents, while I was in my mom's belly. So I grew up on the streets. That's how I learned church. Like people would come to our services. We did outreach multiple days a week. People would bring their needles, their bottles. I learned when I got older and other people were like, oh, I also grew up in church that we were not talking about. (laughs) The same type of church. I love that. You're a church kid. I'm like, yeah, I am. I love church. (laughs) So that's how I grew up. And that's how I learned that Jesus could save anyone's life and redeem anyone's story. And that's how I learned church. And that's also how I learned spoken word poetry was from all my friends. Everyone spoke hip hop. And so I just kind of like naturally learned that. And no, saw my dad lead many to Jesus. Saw many come to Jesus, get put in homes, get jobs, become deacons in churches, owners of women's homes, sees people's lives restored. And now, you know, that ministry still exists. It's a large food pantry in San Francisco now. And a lot of the people that volunteer with us are people my dad led to Jesus who were living in addiction decades ago. What a beautiful story, even as a daughter to grow up under your parents, teaching you these things and showing you what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And you talk about this a lot. You have a book coming out next week called How Not to Save the World, the truth about revealing God's love to the people right next to you. And you have a lot of credibility with this book because of your story and because of what you've done and because of what you've seen. And so I wanted to touch on a couple of stories in the book that were just my absolute favorite, because I think that hearing things like 
like what we're about to talk about remind us as followers of Jesus that it's way easier than we think to tell our people about Jesus. It's way easier. We make it really hard and really complicated. And you've grown up learning this. And so let's talk about your dad for a little bit. And I can feel in the book and when you talk about him, even this deep affection and love for your dad. And so I would love to hear how your dad even met Jesus because uh, you said his life leading up to that was hard and rough and full of tragedy and difficulty. So what was his story? What's his salvation story? Yeah. Well, I love what you said that so many of us overcomplicate sharing Jesus. I think the enemy hopes we believe the lie Mm. that we could never show someone God's love, that our story is not important, that our talents aren't good enough, that we're not skilled enough, smart enough, or spiritual enough to seal the deal. And my dad's salvation story, I think, is proof that that's not true. You know, I saw my dad lead hundreds and thousands of those battling with addiction to Jesus. So I always believed the lie that I had to do something big to do something important, that I had to do something impressive to do something impactful. And I remember once when I was younger asking my dad, who led you to Jesus? And he never talked about it, actually. It wasn't something he talked about on stages. In fact, in this book or on this podcast is the first time this story is being shared because he didn't, he was like, it's not that spectacular. Mm. He told me this story of how he was going door to door selling vacuum cleaners. Because door-to-door salesmen were the yes. original Instagram influencers. <laughs> That's right. Open that box, show you how it looks. <laughs> door-to-door salesman. That was my dad, OG. And um, a woman named Mrs. Lee opened the door for him. He knocked on her door. She opened the door, invited him in, invited him to her table, had a conversation with him, asked him about his life. And he shared about his past and what he was going through. And he admitted this stuff he struggled with. And he said, I'm pretty sure I can never change my life around. And she spoke with no shame and reacted with no shock. And instead of finding the ways that they were different, which there were plenty, Mm -hmm. she was a woman in her 60s doing her chores in the evening like she always did. She was just where she was always at that time of day in her normal routine, living her normal life. She, instead of finding what made them different, she found what they had in common. And she said, I've also spent years of my life trying to figure out who I am and fill the void in all these wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And then I found the answer to my questions. I found the thing to fill the void. I found Jesus. Oh man, now I'm more whole than ever, more healed than ever. Hey, do you, do you want to change your life and be more whole and healed than ever? And he said, yes. And it wasn't this spectacular moment, like the moments I had seen my dad, yeah, people to Jesus on the streets. It mm-hmm. wasn't like this big grand story. It's not the stories you typically hear about when you hear about many being saved in stadiums, which is also important and also how God does it sometimes. Right. But sometimes it's a salesman on one knee on a cold kitchen floor, giving his life to Jesus. And Mrs. Lee didn't know that five years later, my dad would end up planning an outreach and leading hundreds and thousands to the Lord. And she certainly didn't know that 30 years after that, I'd get to be on the happy hour with Jamie Ivey (laughs) telling you all about the day she led my dad to Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I'm just so inspired by her life. Like when I think about my heroes, like in that moment, my dad told me, I realized, well, I don't have to do something impressive to do something important, but right where I am, who's already knocking at my door that I'm not opening the door for who's right in front of me while I'm doing my chores at night, while I'm doing my own routine, living my life, who has God already put into my life that I'm just too busy to Mm -hmm. see and recognize and have a conversation with. And how can I not find differences, but commonalities to bond over in order to talk about Jesus, like the answer to both of our questions. So I've lived my life since then, hoping to be a little bit more like Mrs. Lee and just be a girl committed to opening doors where I am. And that's really kind of changed everything for me. It's so beautiful. And, you know, 
what I know about you is that you spent 10 years on the road, literally um, going to any church that would bring you in spoken word and preaching. And I think one of my most favorite things about you is this ability for you to have a really big grasp on the story you just told us that it is right where you are. What, what, who's in front of you? What door can you open in your regular everyday life? And you yeah. also have this zeal and this passion to get out and tell every single person that you could possibly meet around the world, <laughs> wherever God will take you, stadiums, churches about Jesus. But you're also committed to a local church. I mean, you preach in your local church however many times a year. I don't even know, but you're like committed to that. How has that affected you now as I'm going to still say that you're 22, even though we all know you're not as a uh, yes, <laughs> grown. Yes. yes, I love it. The Taylor's that's a grown 22 year old Chinese woman. That's what you, that's what you get. Like, how does that like, tell me about your, what does that look like for you in your everyday world? Like for the person that's even listening, like, okay, like that sounds good for Hosanna, but I don't know. I've got all these kids or I'm in university and it just feels like, or maybe all my friends are Christians. What does that even mean? So how does that translate to your everyday world? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question because I do get to speak at local churches around the country and to my local church. And that could seem like, okay, so what you do mm-hmm. to share the gospel is, you, you know, you talk on stages for 30 minutes. And I will say that's a big part of my calling. And I hope it equips other Christians and other Christ followers to talk about Jesus in their lives too. But I think that one of the ways that I have felt the most challenge to be like Mrs. Lee and open doors is actually with my baby brother, an offstage relationship that I actually haven't shared about until this book, until this podcast. I love that this podcast is coming out before the book. (laughs) I'm getting like exclusive information. But my baby brother, Elijah, has kind of been for me in my life, like this offstage, no one's known. And I actually had got permission from him to share our story in the book about like, yeah, how can I, because some of us, you know, we can volunteer at church, minister at churches, volunteer with nonprofits, post online, all good things, all things I do but there is someone in our lives who doesn't yet know Jesus that maybe we've resolved. We'll never know Jesus. Mm. Or we don't think that we could lead our family members that we see at Thanksgiving to Jesus, or, you know, we volunteer at church or we help in the kids ministry and we share about things online, but we could probably never talk to our coworkers about Jesus. And so for me, I'm off stage trying to live my best, like Mrs. Lee and probably the most poignant stories is my baby brother, Elijah. He um, was 12 and I was 18 when our daddy went to be with Jesus. So my daddy got cancer and passed away and Elijah shut down completely. Like he didn't want to talk about my dad, much less God. He was 12 Mm -hmm. and I ministered to him so wrong. Mm. (laughs) I did it so wrong. That's why I wrote my book, how not to save the world. Yeah. Because they told me to write about what you know. And I was like, well, I'm an expert at how not to do this, you guys. Right. Like, I've ministered to people so wrong. I've been so aggressive. I've been so mean. I've been so condescending. I have fought to be right. I have pushed people away. I've sent people more links to sermons than I've sent them invitations to go get coffee. I have done this so wrong. I will tell you a book about everything I did wrong. Mm. Well, Elijah was probably one of the ways I did the most wrong. I was always telling him, like, God's going to use your testimony one day. God's going to use our testimonies one day. Um, You have to come to church. Elijah, what do you think about God? And Elijah, who's 12, and this is his dad, shut down. He wouldn't talk to us about anything, no one in my family. And I was in college about seven hours away at the time. And anytime I would call him, he wouldn't want to talk about anything but comic books. Uh Now, Jamie, you've got kids. Uh You know, there's people who like 
comic books. Like, yeah, 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 I like comic books. And then people that like love superheroes and comic books, it's another level, right? It's a whole other level. Like there's conferences and groups (laughs) and clubs and yes. You're watching a movie with someone, they're like, well, that's not like the comic book. And it's like, how do I remotely know that? Like, what the heck? And so I've always liked superheroes on like a normal person level. But Elijah was immersing himself in these worlds. And he only just wanted to talk about Green Lantern and Batman and Superman and the differences between these different eras in the comic book world. And at one point, I just realized that preaching at my brother wasn't working. It was only pushing him more away. And in order to understand my baby brother's world or just frankly, to have a relationship with him at all, I had to become obsessed with comic books. Mm. So I started reading these comic books. Whenever I would drive into town, we'd go to thrift stores, look for these comic books. Then Marvel started making all these movies. And I'll be honest, at the time, we like DC Comics more. <laughs> like, they have better villains. The Joker's the best villain. But then Marvel started making better movies. Right. If you get hate email because of this podcast, <laughs> I'm sorry. But Marvel started making better movies. So we wore, we wore our Marvel and DC comic, you know, t-shirts to superhero movies. When at the premieres, I went out of my way to be with him during the premieres and just talk about comic books. And it was years and years and years of that. One day I went into San Francisco to see him and I just asked him, Elijah, what do you think about God? And for the first time ever, he finally said something, you know, years of trusted relationship. And he said, I'm mad. And that was actually a lot of emotion for Elijah to share. And he went on about the regret he had, the moments he missed with my dad, the ways he was mad at God. And I, I knew what not to say, because I knew I had done it so wrong. And I listened, I validated his emotions and just said, I'm mad with you. This isn't fair. And we continued on our relationship for years. I married my now husband, Guy, and Guy became obsessed with superheroes with us. We had this very special relationship, the three of us. And you know what? It was 11 years from when my dad died and me starting that relationship with Elijah, where one day we invited Elijah over our house. He sat at our dining room table and he said, you know, I think I'm ready just to have like the joy you have and like the peace you have and the fearlessness you have. And I know it's Jesus because you've told me <laughs> like, I am who I am. My brother's heard my story. I've talked a lot consistently. Sometimes I rhyme and he said, I'm ready just to have what you have. And I know it's Jesus. And can you help me? You know, I don't know how to say it. Would you just help me be more whole and be more Elijah? Mm. And, you know, I didn't have the perfect words to say. I did not go to college for this. I understand why people feel unqualified sometimes. <laughs> I certainly did. Any freshman in a Christian college could probably tear apart how I led him to Jesus. <laughs> but Elijah made Jesus his number one. He said, I'm turning away from my sin and my shame and my regret. I'm sorry for some ways I've been living and I choose to follow Jesus. And honestly, it was kind of strange. Like afterwards, I didn't know what to do with my hands. Do we hug? <laughs> it's like, we're not a physical family. Praise and, the Lord. Uh, what do you do? So I did all I know to do. I'm from California. So we went and got carne asada burritos. I know that's big where you are too in Austin. <laughs> and it was just, you know, strange, but it was sacred and it was special. And my baby brother gave his life to Jesus that day, you know, and I will say it wasn't like Mrs. Lee. It was similar in that we opened the door and sat at the table and we found what we had in common together, you know? Yeah. But for Mrs. Lee and my dad, it was one moment that changed everything. And I know there's people listening that, you know, they have that story, battling addictions, coming from a broken family. They gave their lives to Jesus and everything changed in a moment. And sometimes God does it that way. But for Elijah, it took 11 years of a consistent Mm -hmm. relationship. And sometimes God does it that way. And sometimes we can be so mad at people for not seeing the world the way we see it. We can be so mad at people for not being as whole as we want them to be or healed as fast as we want them to be. And we want them to step into our world and we to step into their world and stop fighting to be right and start fighting for the relationship. 
I had to step into Elijah's world and see the world the way he saw it. And his world had way cooler villains and superheroes mm. and planets than yeah. mine. Yeah. But I had to learn his language and how he saw the world if I wanted to lead him to Jesus. And we have to stop as Christ followers. If we want people to know Jesus, there's a way. God is so gracious that he has made a way for every person we know to know him. He wants to have a relationship with everyone that we know. He wants our relationship with every person alive. And he has called us to be the people that show his love to people, to give people a taste of what he's like. But why would the people in our lives believe us Mm. that the God we're talking about wants to be with them if we don't even want to be with them? Mm. Why would they believe us that the God we're talking about loves them if we don't even love them? I think that many times our greatest witness will be our withness. How can we be with people where they really are and what they're really going through? Mm. God was not mad at us when we couldn't get to where he was. He sent Jesus to come be Emmanuel with us, to understand the world the way we understood the world, to see the world the way we see the world, to be with us and then die for us. We have to be with people if we want to love them like Jesus loves them and show them what he's actually like. Mm. And that's, that's one of the ways I've, I've taken what Mrs. Lee has shown me and try to pass that on, open the door for people right next to me. And the story that, that probably matters the most to me, that is most tender to my heart is my big brother, Elijah, and that he loves Jesus now. Mm. Um, and we still love comic books. I love it. <laughs> you have a Marvel shirt on right now. Oh, as we I do. Speak. Yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan, you guys. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. 
Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Have you seen the new Black Widow? I have. Have you? I've seen it twice. I fell asleep the first time, but that's not because it's bad. It's because if you take me to a movie theater at night and it's past nine, I fall asleep. I just can't help it. I loved it. It was great. My kids hate sitting next to me because I ask so many questions. And starting this year, we're going through all the Marvel movies in order that they were released. So there's a big debate of whether you should go in the order they're released or in like chronological order. Yeah, there's a big debate. Big debate. And so we just finished Infinity War. And so next we have (gasps) Ant-Man and the Wasp. And so we're going down through all of them. Okay. Ant-Man is so good. Spoiler. It's the bomb. I laugh. I cry. It's better than cats. I love Paul Rudd. I love You haven't seen Endgame yet? I've seen some of them because I'll take my kids, but literally I promise I take them. I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm like you, but I literally take them to these movies because they like them. I don't care for them, but I want to be with my kids. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, you know, it's like this, like I want to be in their world as well, but I don't understand it. I ask a lot of dumb (laughs) questions. They get super frustrated with me, but I'm like, but we're together guys i know i don't know who this is but we're together (laughs) okay just for for what it's worth i don't want the hate mail but as far as the controversial conversation goes i do think in order it was released is my preference of how to watch it because the storytellers who are putting it out know things we don't yeah and they are putting extra things in the front and end to interweave the universes so i would trust those putting out the story that's what we're doing i love it all i love it oh my gosh baby we're so good okay best (laughs) of luck with ant-man you're gonna love it thank you thank you (laughs) we leave on vacation soon and so we're gonna catch up on vacation oh wonderful you know hosanna when you're talking about your brother which i told you before we recorded via text that that was one of my favorite chapters in your book and i'm crying now i cried when i read it the bathtub and for me The most encouraging thing for me as I read that part in your book, as I even listened to you talking, is I think sometimes as Christians, we think I need this super long list of those I've led to the Lord. And for some people, like you and I both get the joy of traveling and speaking to large groups. Yeah. And that's an honor and we don't take it lightly. But for the most people, they're living their day-to-day life with the community and the same people they're going to see all the time. And to me, that story that you shared is such an encouragement of you could invest 11 years Mm-hmm. 11 years and then there's one salvation and it's not any less it's not any more it is like your investment and god prepared those 11 years for elijah and for you and yeah. that's encouraging to someone right now that's listening that is has invested time and they're not seeing anything it's to say like it's worth it keep going yeah keep going we read in galatians that we will reap a harvest mm-hmm. if we don't give up and that's hope Mm-hmm. If you don't give up on people far from God, if you keep praying for them, if you keep seeing the world the way they see the world, being interested in what they're interested in, asking them questions, knowing God's answers to their real questions, if you keep being with people, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. 
And that's hope. That's good news. Thank goodness. Thank goodness that the weight of everyone's salvation is not all on me. And thank goodness that I can be who I am and consistent with the people right in front of me. And God will do what he's best at. And we can reap the harvest and all of your loved ones can know Jesus if we just don't give up. Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. I can't do a lot of things, but I can do that. I can be a fighter. I can be persistent. Yeah. You know, I love how you said, like, they asked you to write a book about, you know, how to save the world. And you're like, I can actually write a better book on how not to save the world. So there's that. But you go through this book and it has, you know, several different ways of that you're talking about. And one of the things I want to dive into is this whole concept you write about and you call it despise the bride. And I think right now, one of the most disturbing things that I see in I don't want to say all of Christianity, maybe North American, is the way that we are so willing and quick to take down other believers. Yeah. And so let's talk about that a little bit and what that does to to Jesus, to his church, to his people, to a world who's watching. Like, like, let's talk about that a little bit. And what are your thoughts on that? I think that's so important. I think it's one of the most important conversations that Christ followers can have right now because, you know, when I went on the road 10 years ago, I actually, I think I hated the church. I think I had a complicated relationship with the church. It wasn't for me. I saw how Christians treated each other, treated other people. And I was like, oh, I'm down for Jesus, but I'm not down for Jesus followers. Like as Ariana Grande would say, like, Uh thank you, but next, (laughs) Um, no. And I, when I traveled the country and was in all these local churches and all these small groups and all these people's homes, I saw examples of what the church could really be like, authentic people, honest about what they were going through, loving people, not shaming people, encouraging people, fighting for people, not against people. And I thought, heck yes, that church exists and I can be a part of it and I can be a part of creating the community I've longed for. I can be a part of building the kind of church I've been praying to God for. And I want to be that. But yeah, these past 10 years, it is not lost on me how difficult it can be sometimes to be a part of community that isn't always what you read about in scriptures that Jesus wants it to be. And I think that the way sometimes that Christians tear down each other in person and online is one of the worst witnesses to the world of what it's like to be in the community of God and tearing apart other Christians and talking down about other Christians rudely, aggressively, hurtfully, condescendingly online is one of the enemy's favorite ways to tear down the church. And it's one of the enemy's favorite ways to tear down the bride of Christ and keep people from wanting to know Jesus mm-hmm. at all. And it's certainly one of the best plans of how not to save the world. And if we think... You actually say the enemy loves it when we do his job for him. Oh, he loves it. Who doesn't love a day off? Yeah. Who doesn't want to kick off their shoes and hang back and say, I don't have to work today because all the Christ followers are doing my job for right. me. The enemy wants to tear apart God's church. He wants to tear apart our families. He wants to put staff members against staff members, denominations against denominations. He wants to keep everyone away from knowing how beautiful, authentic community of the church could be. So when Christ followers are tearing each other down, the enemy doesn't even have to show up to work that day. We're doing his job for him. And that is one of the conversations I'm so grateful that you have, you know, consistently on your podcast and online is about the beauty of the church and how we can be a community that fights for people, not against people. And the truth is that the church is better when you're in it. Don't leave the church and tear it apart from the outside. Stay inside because we need people who really love Jesus and really love people to stay in it. Mm -hmm. So please stay in it and show us how to love better and show us how to be more united and show us how to be more encouraging. So we need Christ followers who really love Jesus and really love people to stay in the church and help us from the inside Mm -hmm. be the church God has called us to be. Mm. Have you read Francis Chan's new book, Unity? Oh, no, but I've heard people talk about it and I heard it's the bomb. It might be my favorite book of 2021. Second favorite. 
second favorite. <laughs> Thank you so much. It might be my second favorite of 2021. <laughs> right, closely right behind How Not to Save the World. Actually, yeah, are you watching the Olympics? Lately. Have you? Are you I watching am. the? Did you see the two guys share the gold medal for the high jump? Oh no, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's the cutest thing ever. Like is I think it? it was Italy, and I can't remember. Oh, I was gonna ask, is it two Asians like me and Francis Chan? <laughs> no, but, no. But what I was saying cool. is they decided to share. So that's how I feel about you guys. Y'all can share the gold medal this year. No, but tell me, because I've heard great things. Tell me. It's just really, really great. And it's about this, about the, oh, the Christians. We are to be known for our unity and is what is missing. And the church is, it's hurting our witness. It's hurting the bride. It's hurting the church. Mm-hmm. He was on the happy hour. And I love that conversation I had with him, but the book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Well, so that's much. wonderful. And that's powerful. And I'm going to get it because it has been recommended to me. And Oh, I'm guessing he's speaking on John 17, Jesus's final prayer. Yes. What talking about that unity. So this is something I learned while writing this book. So it's something I'm sure Francis is more well-versed in, but that our unity is our best witness. So what is us arguing to people to lead them to Jesus or arguing people to change their morality or arguing with people or just telling them like, here's the honest truth. Jesus, give me the right words to say this correctly. Mm. When I am sharing some of these messages on stages with people, beautiful people who are so kind to come and meet me after a common thing I'm hearing is I've told this person in my life, you know, don't call me until you change this thing about yourself. Mm. I've told this family member, don't come back home until you've changed this thing, whatever it is, they're all different. They're all across the board, but they have said to people, you need to change the things about yourself, the things that are maybe, you know, maybe the things that do keep them from God, maybe the things that do hurt them, maybe the things that leave them broken. Yeah. But they said, don't even call me until you've changed it. Instead of saying, you know, stay close to me Mm. and to help show them who they really are and to help show them who they really can be. And if our greatest witness is to be unified, then why doesn't the world see a more unified, loving church? And I'll be honest, I see more Christians against Christians online where I see things than Christians against non-believers. So why would I want to tell a world, hey, come be a part of this. <laughs> Don't you want to know Jesus and be a part of all of us? Mm-hmm. So whenever I see Christians tearing each other down, you know, I have a lot of friends who don't know Jesus. I know you do too. And when I get texts from them, ask me questions and my heart breaks because a watching world mm-hmm. is seeing how Christ followers tear each other down. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they'll be down for Jesus, but they don't want to be down for people who are shaming them mm-hmm. and condescending them all the time. I think we need to consider what our witness is. Are we being with people and are we being united as Christ followers? It's powerful, Jamie. You know, I'll just, here comes my mom voice. I say it all the time. If you wouldn't say it to their face, don't say it online. But you know, I would love to hear from you, the ministry that your parents started. And you said, you kind of alluded to earlier that it's still going and still thriving. Can you give us a little glimpse into what that happens on a day-to-day basis? You know what, now in 2021, especially with all that happened in the pandemic, our friends on the streets suffered badly, but we grew our food pantry and that's how it serves now. You know, my dad's not alive anymore, but my family's on the ground there. We have many church partnerships there and it's just a giant group of volunteers. We have great reputations with the secular food companies, with the food bank and the stadiums. San Francisco Giants, the 49ers, the Golden State Warriors, and we get leftovers from their stadiums and we reheat for all of our friends on the streets and they love it. Whenever there's, it's game day, they're like, it's game day. Tomorrow we're getting hot dogs. (laughs) So it's primarily now a food pantry and we do Bible studies. And so it's a lot, you know, it looks different than it did when my dad was alive, but it meets the needs of the people today where they are. And so I'm really proud of my family. My husband and I are involved. We fly in every couple months. We're involved 
but we, you know, we serve at our local church and like you said, travel and, and serve our local church here. I live about seven hours away from that now, yeah. but it's awesome. And it's cool to see my, you know, my dad's story in print now told on the happy hour now, but seeing his legacy still living out on the streets there. It's very cool. I love that so much. Well, Hosanna, I am so grateful for your work. I cannot tell people enough. This book, How Not to Save the World, The Truth About Revealing God's Love to the People Right Next to You is a book that everyone needs to get into their hands this fall. It comes out August 17th, right around the corner. So you guys grab it wherever you can get books. All right. I'd love to hear what are you reading these days and what are you loving? Okay. I usually read some old school books and some new school books at a time. So okay. I can share ones that are more recent because yep. usually I'm like rereading a Watchmen knee book or something that's like, I'm rereading, you know, people that have lived lives of character over time. But two books that came out this year from two of our friends, I really loved. And one is Jess Connolly's book, Breaking Free from Body Shame. Love it. I told her, and I'll say it on this happy hour podcast, I have never read a book that was more freeing from body shame and more consistent in the word of God telling us how to really see our bodies. And it actually is a gospel book. I loved it. Love it. And Women Evolve by Sarah Jakes Roberts. It is one of the most beautiful, powerful retellings of the story of Eve and how women can break free from shame of things they've done in their past to move mm-hmm. forward in their future. And so I think that all of these are gospel books. I think all three of ours pair well together in the ways that we might feel shame from our bodies, shame from our past or shame and sharing our own stories. And I love both those women and they're changing the world. So get their books, get three, all three of ours. I love it. All three those books. Are the ones. Yeah. Yep, so that's, yep. one I'm, that's kind of what I'm reading that came out this year. That's what I'm reading. I love it so much. Actually. And Steve Carter. Do you know Steve Carter? In Arizona? Yeah. I don't know him personally. I listened to the podcast that he does with Sam Macho about sports. Okay. Yes. So, his so that's book. the same Steve Carter, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 And I have his book in my office. And you're going to love it. And it's called the thing beneath the thing. And he gets real about our character and the things underneath, you know, some of the behaviors that we have and the pains that we have. And he has lived a life of character and he's also gone through some things and has come out on the other end, showing us how to really be the church God calls us to be. So that's the other current this year book that I'd recommend is Steve Carter's a thing. Okay. I might throw that in my bag. I go on vacation and take like 17 books. And so I just love that so much. Hosanna, you are a dear friend to me. And I'm so grateful that God put us on this planet at the same time. I cannot Mm -hmm. even imagine how crazy that is that we got the gift to know each other. So thank you for coming on the happy hour. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for telling everyone around you about the love of Jesus and you're an inspiration to all of us. I love you so much. I'm glad that we could help people tell them you be you and let's partner with God to save the world. I love it. (laughs) I love you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, friends, what an incredible conversation that was with my friend, Hosanna. She's a beautiful storyteller. But besides that, I hope you also saw her passion for everyone in the world knowing Jesus. It's a real passion. I've been around her personally. I have been on road trips with her. She wants everyone to know Jesus. And I am encouraged by her so much. I also love the way she talked about UBU, my book that came out last fall. She's been a huge encouragement in that journey with me as well. Guys, don't forget the Women of Welcome trip that's partnering with the Happy Hour is coming up around the corner in November. Applications close August 22nd. So you're going to want to know about this trip and we'd love to have you on this trip with us. Friends, if you want to learn more from Hosanna, follow her on all the socials. But more than that, go get her book. It comes out next week, How Not to Save the World, The Truth About Revealing God's Love to the People Right Next to You. I've read this book. I highly recommend this book to everyone that is listening to my voice right now. 
Last thing, you heard the conversation where I asked her about how we as a church need to quit tearing down each other. Well, over on YouTube, we have a video of her and I talking about her real life experience with that happening to her. So go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube and you can watch that conversation with us. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh, and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing. Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. Happy Hour.